The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are entrepreneurs and business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're also giving back to the community, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking to make the most of yourself and your business, then you will want to stay tuned for the next hour. Here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com and CC1Consulting.com. Delighted to be with you for yet again for another week. Just wanted to say firstly that uh, I'm delighted last week to have Steve Abel on the show. Um, he was talking to us about how to set up a business that runs without you. He's a true entrepreneur. He'd set up eight businesses before he really found the business that made him his fortune. Uh, he had a great concept called Big Fish, Little Fish. Um, do check that show out uh, if you're uh, interested in finding out how a real entrepreneur thinks and are looking to develop and grow your business. I thought that was an excellent show with Steve. So today we're going to talk about how not to come second. We're going to talk about the art of winning business pitches and persuading people of our point of view and getting them to back our judgment with their money is what makes the world go round. And the sharpest end of the persuasion, uh, the business is the pitch. That intense and brief period when you get to make your case to the potential client. Now, those are not my words. Those are the words of David Keane. Um, David is one of the world's leading authorities on the art of pitching. He's my guest on today's show. He says that successful pitching is a subject um, that's really close to his heart, but it's very, very close to mine, having spent part of my career facilitating and assessing many major pitches at uh, large companies like Mars and United Biscuits. But if you sell your services to clients and are involved in putting your case forward to potential clients, then this show is for you. It'll be really helpful. It's also not every day to get to hear advice on a subject that makes all the difference between success and second place failure uh, from an expert who's helped clients win over half a billion dollars in fees over the last three years alone. He's one of the most authoritative business development practitioners in the world. He specializes in helping clients win new and more business from new and existing customers. He's in demand as an inspiring speaker and as a pitch doctor. He also coaches top executives and entrepreneurs. Uh, has a, a business with uh, with partners at uh, the Caffeine Partnership. Uh, David offers teams um, with his partners to facilitate workshops and speaks. He's described as Mr. Energy. He used to help organizations fire up creativity, uh, motivate their teams. He's used to build support for company initiatives. He chairs panel discussions, acts as an agent provocateur at large conferences worldwide. He's worked with some of the world's best organizations on their marketing communications, their sales and growth strategies. He's author of international bestseller, Pitching to Win, The Art of Winning Business Pitches, and co-author of How to Win Friends and Influence Profit, How to Cross Sell. Uh, David has just moved to a new house uh, yesterday, and his, his broadband's just sort of settling in, so hopefully we don't lose him during the show, but a big welcome to David Keane. Thanks very much, Chris. It's a pleasure to be here. Fantastic. You're sounding nice and clear from your new Brighton residence. Excellent. That's nice to hear. <laughs> so, David, <laughs> what, what is your definition of a business pitch? Well, broadly, I think it's any time you're seeking to persuade someone else to take action using you and your firm, not the other guys. And specifically, uh, I, I think it's a craft. It's a craft of winning the client's hearts and minds in open competition. Uh, either for a project or a long-term contract or for funding or anything where you're seeking um, to get somebody to support you or award you rather than someone else in open competition. Excellent. And why is it just so important to you personally? Oh, golly, where do you start? Um, Well, I think there are a number of things. The first one is uh, I used to work in the advertising and marketing industry. And like a lot of professional advisory sort of parts of business, uh, I think business development and pitching was seen as really 
really rather uh, an undesirable thing that people had to do. The old-fashioned way was to wait until clients knocked on your door and they were coming because they'd heard your reputation for doing great work in their particular area where they needed help. And it was seen as a little bit crass to go knocking on doors and trying to win new clients um, in open competition. And I remember this came home to me when I used to work for a company that was not doing very well at all and it was hemorrhaging business and it was losing clients hand over fist. And it wasn't simply viable for them to wait for another client to come knocking because they weren't going to come knocking. And uh, so we thought, well, rather than sit here on our haunches, why, why don't we go out and try and find them? And so I was asked to make a presentation to the owner of the agency and I did this in the days of uh, carousels, 35 millimeter slide carousels, if anybody remembers those. And I was uh, a junior uh, account handler and I was asked to make a 15 minute presentation on how we would go about chasing down leads, prospecting and winning pitches. And I was at the front of the room and I was staring into this bright light of the projector and through the light I could see the plumes of smoke from uh, the cigar of the owner of this company. And I was presenting to basically silence and darkness. And at the end of my presentation, when I'd given my view about how we should go and chase down leads and win, win an open pitch, um, two words just came back at me, which were, how vulgar. And I just thought that, if that's the way people at the top of the industry regard pitching, then I'm going to make myself fairly successful because there's a whole load of people out there and clients who, who I think would be receptive to going out and trying to win over their hearts and minds. And so it proved to be. So that's, that's the main reason. It's, it's a heartfelt belief that business development and pitching is the last great amateur endeavor in an otherwise wholly professionalized business uh, world and most people get phone calls at the end of a pitch which um, when the client rings them up to tell them the result they normally pre preamble by saying can I just say a few things before I tell you what we've decided one is we loved your people another one is we thought your ideas were really good and you know what the next word is it's going to be but but I'm afraid this time you've come a very close second and I think people put up with that and think that's okay and it's not it's not okay to come second it's called losing and there's no place for that if you're serious about winning new clients so yeah it's a it's a really good thing to be good at because it drives business and creates opportunity I think you're absolutely right that's something that I had to do many times and I think in in those situations I was certainly very mindful of the amount of work people had put in so if you're investing a huge amount of work and energy into a pitch, then um, surely it's important to do your very best to win it. Yeah, it is. It's criminal to waste all that time and effort. And the stupid thing is that it's easier to win a pitch than to lose one. Um, it just takes rigid discipline and an understanding and application of the craft skills. And you've got a much, much better chance of tipping the playing field your way. And who on earth wants to play on an even playing field? Uh, not me, for one. I want to. I want to give myself maximum advantage when I'm in competition with others. And as you say, there's an awful lot of blood, sweat, and tears going into pitching. So it seems daft to do the same old mistakes time and time again and not learn from them and end up with the same old results, which is to lose. So who wants to do that? So I know we're, you're, you know, a lot of your experiences with with you know big pitches in kind of advertising and media and those sorts of arenas. Um, but really what we're talking about here, isn't it? it? We're talking about pitch situations for, this is relevant to any industry, really where you're up against somebody else. You're going oh, yeah, this is, yeah, absolutely. Else. Absolutely. The, the, the lessons are applicable across all sectors, all industries, pretty much all business cultures, because you are in open competition. And when you are in open competition, then there are certain golden rules that we've come to understand which work and, and, as I say, tip the playing field your way. So whether or not you're an accountant or an architect, whether or not you're uh, in open competition for a government contract, if you're a, a construction or real estate, um, any, of, any of the sectors, they all apply the same thing. If you're competing for large contracts where there's a lot at stake, you need, you need to apply these rules. So it doesn't matter what industry you work in, they work. So how do you see people getting pitches wrong and I suppose there's that that attitude that you described uh, with um, that that uh, owner of that business you know has that has that gone up in a, a plume of smoke um, are people are people still yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, people are, you know, bit by bit, industry by industry, people are picking up the fact that, you know, it, and it's no secret there's a fairly harsh economic environment out there and it gets tougher and tougher. And there is, you know, when you when you go out and you try and win a pitch, you want to make sure that you maximize your chances of winning it because otherwise you've wasted an awful lot of time, effort, money, energy in the process because these things cost money to do. And um, so you want to make sure that uh, you're giving yourself the maximum chance. And most often the cardinal sins that are committed are people are pitching too much or too often because especially in those markets where there's less business going around then people want to pitch for anything that moves because they think that the more they go for the more they'll win actually doesn't work like that the more you go for the more you'll lose and also in markets that are growing or doing pretty well again the temptation is we don't want to miss an opportunity so we'll go for everything and if ever the maxim uh less is more applies it's in pitching so we advise clients to be extremely choosy about who they pitch for and then throw everything at the ones they decide for the other sins that people make is they do it at the last minute they do it in their spare time at the shoulders of the day or late into the night they burn lots of midnight oil you can't give of your best if that's the way you're doing it in sort of you know the wee small hours of the morning and they cobble together stuff out of previous documents that they found from another pitch they didn't win and then expect to cut and paste it and win that one. They don't rehearse properly. Uh, and so they, they end up with pretty much an invisible pitch. I mean, around the world, they reckon uh, there are about 30 million business presentations a day given in any, in any normal working day. Most of them are invisible, totally unmemorable, bland, not thought through, have no effort put behind them or craft in them. And then people wonder why they haven't actually won any business. So people do these things time and again, and sometimes it's quite salutary to be reminded that don't do the things that you do sometimes without thinking. You need to have a new way of doing it. Mm. We've just got about a minute till commercial commercial break, David. But I mean, do you not therefore believe in the you know some people say fail forward faster? Well, I think uh, I think you, you've got to people people just do things in a blind way and they just set themselves on autopilot. And if they do that, they've lost before they even start. So, yeah, I mean, I think they, they run around being busy and not doing it properly and they get surprised when they get the same old result, which is the phone call saying, I'm sorry, you come a very close second. So, yeah, they fail and they rush around to fail faster. Yeah. And, and what's it feel? You must have had, I've been on, not so much been on the receiving end of that, but I imagine in your past, you must have been on the receiving end of that on a number of occasions for agencies. How well, does it feel when that comes in? Well, when the, when the, I'm sorry, you come a close when, second when, comes in. Yeah. Uh, well, you can see, I mean, the shoulders drop and we all, you all see athletes when they've lost a race. It's amazing, isn't it? The one who's won it goes sprinting around the track for another lap of honour. And the ones who have put all the same effort in but lost, they're the ones on the floor. So it's amazing how energising it is to win. And once you get in the habit of winning, then it becomes easier and easier and easier. So that's the thing to do that's the trick and i think it's time to reappraise the habits that people have got into and just go right we're not going to do that anymore there must be a better way and the nice thing is there is fantastic well do stay on the line after the break we're going to come back and look at all of the key ingredients for getting it right so um there could be some information here which actually makes you a lot of money so do come back in just a couple of minutes When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one -one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? 
Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you, like most Americans, spend the majority of your life at work? Are you making it the joy that it deserves to be, or are you feeling drained and unfocused? Tune in to A Great Place to Work with hosts Kurt Kaufman and Dr. Kathy Sorensen. Your hosts have more than 30 years of experience in workplace consulting and are ready to bring you the secrets and success stories of businesses who are making their business a great place to work. Listen every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy a better workplace and a better life. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, bemoreachievemore.com. Delighted to be with David Keane. We're talking about how not to come second, the art of winning business pitches. Uh, so, David, do you want to share with us the key ingredients from your experience of getting it right? Yeah, happily. I mean, I think um, there's only eight of them, and they're sort of golden rules. And I think if you enshrine these in the way you do a pitch, then you're going to make a massive difference to your conversion rate. The first one, which sounds very obvious, is be organized. Um, It's extraordinary how little organization there is around pitch process in most companies. It's done chaotically at the last minute. It's done with a team that's cobbled together. So getting the basics right, getting the logistics right is absolutely fundamental. The second one, know your audience. And people often confuse getting uh, the message right for the people that the client is trying to reach sometimes versus the client that you're pitching to. So you need to know what makes the people you're pitching to tick, what keeps them up at night. What do they want? You need to get to know them, get under their skin, because in in business pitching, there is a saying which is familiarity breeds favorability. So it doesn't breed contempt, it breeds favorability. If they know you and you've built a relationship with them during the pitch process, you've got a far, far better chance of enlivening relationship with them and them getting to like you. So you might walk into the final presentation with the thing almost in the bag. Third one, solve the problem. Um, I know we're going to come on to this, but, you know, do it quicker. Don't, don't take so long to solve the problem. Everyone out there is really good at what they do. So technically, you've got the skill. It's just a question of making that much, much quicker. Fourth one, you have to price properly. Um, don't, you can't be in the fantasy zone. Equally, you can't give good advice from a bended knee position. So don't just collapse your price. Otherwise, no one makes any profit. The fifth one is practice, 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 practice. Again, sports people know this. We all know this, but we don't do it. The sixth one is make a great presentation. Um, You need to win the pitch before you stand up and make your final presentation. But the truth of the matter is you still need to do a brilliant presentation. And so that's absolutely vital. Seventh one is building unstoppable momentum, by which I mean you've got to get going fast, but you've got to keep the energy level going at such a tilt that it's almost impossible for you to lose. And so many pitches are stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. And it's no big surprise if they're like that, that you don't win. And then finally, feedback. Absolutely imperative that we get feedback because otherwise, how do you learn? You know, we always um, go off and say, oh, we got the result. It wasn't what we wanted, but never mind. We'll go and do the next one. And then do exactly the same things wrong. And that's just crazy. So eight golden rules, very simple Very hard to do in practice because you need discipline, but absolutely imperative and will definitely uplift your conversion rate. Great. So let's start right at the beginning there and let's delve into how do you best organize for a pitch? Well, I think the best way to think of a pitch is a bit like a 100 meters Olympic final. 
there's a definite beginning, there's a definite end, and there's an awful lot of frenetic activity in between. And you wouldn't see Usain Bolt uh, or Tyson Gay or any of those really world-class sprinters walk up to the uh, walk up to the starter blocks and hear the starter pistol go, and then rock back and go. Do you know what? I'm going to give the other guys another minute, a second and a half advantage. They wouldn't do that. The whole point is to get out of the blocks as fast as humanly possible to give yourself the very best start you can. Contrast that with most pitches. And normally what happens is, and when I go around and I I teach this or coach this in companies, whatever the profession they are, whatever the industry they're in, I always ask them, when, when the brief comes in from the client, the thing you're pitching for, when do you normally start? Do you start immediately? Very, very few hands go up. Do you start on day one? No. Day two? No. Most hands go up on day three. And this can be for a process that might last a week, two weeks, sometimes longer. But the point is, most people have very, very big intrays, loads of emails to do, lots of meetings to attend. So it just doesn't get done until it becomes urgent. And then it's too late. Because if you're up against a competitor who does start immediately that the brief comes in, you're already behind. It's like Usain Bolt rocking back, as I say, and giving the other guys a 30-meter start. And even he, the fastest man on the planet, would never be able to recover a 30-meter start, which is pretty much the equivalent of three, you know, three working days over a 10-day period. So why would you do that? You're guaranteed to lose. So treat it like an athlete organize get the meetings in the diary with you as a team and with your clients and make sure that you get client FaceTime as often as you possibly can and by the way if the client won't see you during the pitch process and i know that there are industries where that can happen sometimes don't pitch you'll just lose it's a total waste of time put your effort into pitches where the client will see you and i know in public sector pitches it's sometimes quite difficult to do that but believe me persevere think like an entrepreneur you mentioned your guest last week an entrepreneur never says die they would never just take it at face value that we're not allowed to meet the client they will find a way and if they do they will win because if you play by the rules and you don't meet the client somebody else does you've lost so the other thing to do is brainstorm with your top talent very early in the process because they've got loads of experience, they will be able to spot the problem that this client might have and hypothesize different solutions. Then you've got yourself off to an absolutely fantastic start, and you've got within 24 hours of the pitch being called and the brief being um, uh, being received, you've got off and flying without uh, without too much effort. And if you don't do that, you might as well not pitch the rest of the time because you're headed for disaster. And that makes a lot of sense because that initial 24 hours is when you're kind of setting the scene. It's it's from that point that your mind also starts, I guess, creating, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, and creative ideas take longer. Whatever industry you're in, that you always need to be creative and innovative and, and, and clever in the way you deploy your thinking. And creativity, the right hemisphere of the brain, takes time. It, the left hemisphere, the organizing side, the logical side, the editing side, that's the easy bit. It's difficult. So you need time to come up with the ideas that are going to actually captivate the client's uh, heart and mind and give them solutions, clever solutions to the problems they've got. So you need to start early. So you engineer in the time that you need to get those answers, those creative, innovative ideas, a chance of actually coming up to the surface. I think you make a really good point as well about the if, if if people won't see you, then it's quite possible that the reason for that is that you're there to make up the numbers, and there's somebody yeah. else that they strongly strongly prefer. So I mean, it's it's a really good point and one I've not necessarily thought of before. I wonder how you'd recommend them. The second point you made, best getting to really know your audience. Well, for me, this is the game. Um, the point about getting to know your audience is quite often there's a terrible deference in business, which is we get the brief and then we disappear into a little internal huddle for a couple of weeks and then we go back and it's a bit like a black box sort of approach. And then we go back and we go, da-da, here's the answer. And meanwhile, your competitor has spent the last 13 uh, out of the last 14 days with the client, getting to talk to them, getting to understand them, getting to know them, get them getting to know you. And so the deference in business is 
really mitigates against clever pitching. The first thing to do, therefore, to get to know your audience, get under their skin, is to ask them questions. What is it that's important to you? What do you think about this? How does that work in your industry? And just bother the client. You know, we, we think that, oh, we mustn't bother the client. He or she is incredibly busy. We mustn't do that. And we're just wasting their time. Well, if you're wasting their time now, you're going to waste their time when you stand up in front of them and give a two-hour presentation that doesn't resonate with them or talk to any of the points that they think are important. So I think to get under the skin of the client, the first thing is to get over that deference. Ask questions. Bother the client. Get in their face. Get on the phone. Get on the email. Try and find any excuse you can to ask them intelligent questions. Because they've got a problem and they need help with the solution. That's why they're coming to you. So you need to take the trouble to find the answer. And a bit like that lovely film Jerry Maguire with Tom Cruise, just remember the question, help me to help you. And that should steal you enough to bother the client and ask them the questions they need to answer to help you help them. And they will tell you what they want. And if you've got the answer to, particular, you know, to that question, what's important to you, and your uh, your response plays back to each element that they've almost given you in their blueprint of what's important to you, you're going to be in an extremely strong position there for them to struggle to disagree with you, aren't you? Yeah, you are. I mean, that's the whole trick of it. You're finding your way to the answer that will be least wrong quite often. And if they know in their heads what they think they're looking for, then you need to know what that is. And if you go in blind and you haven't found that out, and you just present them with something that they don't recognize, don't want, don't, re- don't think is ever going to do them any good, you've just wasted three weeks of your life. And that's just pointless. And the other thing is, think well of them. You know, don't be scared. Um, you just need to try and get, get a relationship with, going with them because people tend to buy from people that they like. And if they uh, don't like you because they haven't had any, any contact with you, then you're at a disadvantage to the company that they do like, where they have met them. And they do think, oh, we like these people. And people tend to like people who are like them. So you need to get the right team in place that actually gels with the client and doesn't jar with them. And, and sometimes people feel very warm to, to new best friends, don't they? Yeah, they do. I do. I mean, and this also applies, obviously, for existing clients. You know, you've got a huge advantage if you already know the clients, but you just need to just be inquisitive and actively engage with them, be enthusiastic and energetic. You know, it's very seductive to a client that somebody is absolutely fascinated by uh, their business, by their industry, by their sector, by their problems, and by them as human beings. Um, if it was all very logical process, then we wouldn't need human beings, would we? We just do everything by computer and you just send your PowerPoint presentation and the clients would mark the one they thought was the best or get a, a computer to do it. But it doesn't work like that. This is about relationships and therefore getting under the skin of the client is absolutely vital. So how do you go about solving their problem? Well, um, I'm going to throw that one back at you because that's kind of for all your listeners if they're lawyers or if they're bankers or investment bankers or architects or if they work in the car industry or whatever industry they work in presumably they set up a business because they are brilliant at what they do so whatever the problem that a client's got for you then the truth is you're probably better equipped to answer it than i am but my exhortation to everyone is in a pitch when you've got a very condensed period of time is solve it quicker a lot, lot quicker. Most of the time, the people who are technically very good at what they do spend 95 to 99% of the available time answering the client's problem, polishing their solution, worrying away at it until the very last minute. And the trouble with that is it doesn't win pitches. It doesn't differentiate you from your competitors because they'll all be quite good at coming up with solutions as well. What wins pitches is all the other stuff, the soft stuff. Things like do you look like a team that likes each other, sparks off each other, and will actually give me not just one answer, but replicable answers? Are you able to make two plus two equal more than four? Make it five, six, seven. Is that the way your team works? And is it going to create magic for me as a client? Because that's what I need. Are you going to be enjoyable to work with? Am I going to enjoy it? Or are you just going to be hard work? Because if you're going to be hard work, I don't have time in my life for that. I need people who are really good at what they do but are on side and not going to make my life more complicated. And do you share the client's ambition for their business? 
that's very different from making the client feel like if you win this pitch, you're just they're just another notch on your corporate wind belt. Um, you don't want that. They don't want to feel that. They want to feel that you're on side. You're going to share their ambition for where they're trying to go. And the other thing is overwhelming energy. Um, I once did a pitch, and we were surprised, to be honest, to be asked on the pitch list. And we said to the client, why have you, why have you invited us? Because there are, there are lots of companies who are probably technically far better. Um, but they said, because we've heard you're dynamic. And so that gave us, for the next two weeks, our template of how we should be dynamic. So spend 60% of your time solving the problem and 40% of your time doing the other stuff that wins pitches. Don't spend 95% of your time solving the problem. It's a crazy way to behave and it doesn't win pitches. Excellent. Really great advice in there. Uh, another challenge that you mentioned, the fourth point was about pricing properly and I wonder what your advice is there because that's is, is, is one that often leaves people scratching their head. Yeah, no, I can understand that. And of course, price is, uh, has a huge disproportionate importance in people's minds. It's a real difficult area. And what I'm about to say is probably quite controversial because I'm going to say that, that sort of your job when you're pitching is to make price as irrelevant as you possibly can. Because again, if we we're in a rational world where price was the only and most important feature, and sometimes clients say it is, and sometimes it is, but that just tells me two things. Either you're in the wrong industry and you've been commoditized, in which case you're chasing an idiot's game, or you're not doing your job properly because your job is to make price as irrelevant as you can. You are there to create the desire to buy, and that's about lots of other things, not just price. But I'm not suggesting that price isn't important. Um, clearly, you need to pitch your price at the high end of realistic, but you cannot be in the fantasy zone. If you're so far adrift of where it's realistic then you're not going to win much business but you need to know and you will have a feel in your industry and with your clients as to what is the right sort of zone um, but there are some basic things about pricing which is the moment the client pushes back on price it'll always come back at you as a an absolute you're way too expensive or you're so far adrift of your comp competition are you serious about winning our business these are challenges price challenges that people get all the time and of course because we are so hungry for the business because we want it almost at any price then there is a terrible temptation to price crumble uh, so any opposition that's thrown back in our face, we go, okay, all right, well, we'll do something about that. And it offers those horrible phrases like, you know, you're going to have to sharpen your pencil on this or we need you to be more competitive on the pricing. We go for that and we fall for it. And so these are just procurement tricks. These are tricks that people will use. They'll push back. And of course they'll push back. Their job is to get a decent price and get good value. But you are pricing your wisdom. So Put a good price on it and don't be bullied. And I think this is the key piece of advice in pricing. Don't be bullied. What I mean by that is I remember a story about someone I knew who was being pinned to the ground in the school playground by the school bully. And a teacher came up and this guy who was lying on the ground being punched thought to himself, oh, gosh, I'm going to be saved. Thank goodness for that. A teacher's coming. And um, the teacher came up and loomed over the guy who was sitting on this bloke and punching him in the face and looked down at the guy who was lying on the on the ground my friend who was being punched and he just pointed at him and he said don't be bullied and walked off and i think the, the moral of the story is have some spine push back because if you both want to do business together you're just arguing about at what point it's acceptable to both of you so don't be bullied that would be my main point on pricing be realistic but don't price crumble excellent well we're going to go to commercial break again right now and we'll be back again in just a moment and we'll be moving on to talking about practicing when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network 
Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of The Costa Report, every Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. This week, my guest is the former Secretary of the Treasury under President Bush, Mr. Paul O'Neill. Mr. O'Neill will be here to talk about why reinvesting Clinton's surplus in Social Security was a good idea, how the current global recession was predictable, and what is needed to secure America's financial future. Don't miss Paul O'Neill this Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on the Voice America Business Channel. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with David Keane. We're talking about the art of winning business pitches. And David, before the break, uh, you mentioned about um, you recommend practicing. And I think you mentioned practice, practice, practice. How do you best do it? Well, I think to take that athletic analogy again, you need to be ready to perform. It's absolutely vital that when people stand up and they're ready to do uh, the, the final presentation or any presentation to the client during the process, they are absolutely on song and ready to perform like a key athlete would be. And yet, what actually happens? Well, people turn up to a pitch they haven't rehearsed. There's been no warm-up. They haven't warmed their body up. They haven't warmed their throat up. They are not physically or mentally in the zone and they all stumble out of the taxi or however they've got to the the pitch and they've sort of made it up in the cab and they go, well, you do this bit, I'll do the strategy bit, you do the clever bit and the ideas and then we'll see what happens in Q&A. You've got no chance at all of winning if that's how you're pitching. And yet it happens again and again and again. And then they go into the room and they talk about themselves all the time. You've got to rehearse. You've got to rehearse at least three times because... The first one, first rehearsal, isn't a rehearsal. It's just a cut and paste where you actually bolt together the actual charts and the presentation. The second rehearsal, if you even bother to get that far, it just tends to be that the individual presenters know their bit, but the whole thing doesn't really hang together as a story. Only on the third rehearsal do you get the magic. That's when it starts to weave together, when you get the handovers between the teams so they look seamless, so they're good. Even accomplished presenters, even great um, politicians like Churchill, Kennedy, people like that, they rehearse their ad-libs. They rehearse their ad-libs because they know that the only way you get a great performance is by practice, practice, practice. And then you get magic. So you need three rehearsals and you also need to rehearse to an outsider, somebody senior who is objective who can point out the flaws in your argument and ask the dumb questions. Because if you don't get those, you're going in there blind. And the client could easily blindside you with stuff they don't understand or questions they want to ask to clarify. And you can role play. So they can do the nice client, the nasty client. And a lot of uh, an oft overlooked part of of the of the rehearsal is rehearse the Q&A the question and answer session because that's the bit that the client puts a lot of store by that's the bit where they get to ask the bits that are interesting to them and when they get to see what your team is like under pressure so 
Think of the nastiest question the client could ask you, work out what the answer is, who's going to answer it, and then you've got a fair chance. But if you just go in there and they're throwing questions at you, you've got a real problem. At Caffeine, where we do pitch doctoring, where we help people be that objective outsider in rehearsals, we have a matter of pride, which is that the night before the pitch, our people who are we are coaching are ready and ready ready for, to relax at 7.30 p.m., no later. Most people go on until the wee small hours of a pitch because they haven't done it properly. So be ready at 7.30 the night before and you know you've done it right. And it makes a lot, an awful lot of sense. And I think also if, if anyone's listening to this and thinking, well, it's, it's only me, I'm not in a team. Um, for, for me, a few months ago, I, I produced a new a new keynote for a, a conference, a big conference. But actually to do that, I, I set up three lots of people to present that to so that I could fine-tune it and craft it. I probably rehearsed the thing maybe 30 times before I actually did the final event. And then I, I did a, an event today. It was at a, an event, uh, Simon Zucci's Property Investment Programme, which was absolutely fabulous. But I had, I had practiced the workshop three times yesterday before I went and delivered it today, and it went exceedingly well. Um, so I, you know, I take that, those sorts of principles, and I, I know it works without it. If I don't do it, it, uh, it doesn't work. <laughs> That's absolutely right. And it, you, know, you can tell somebody who hasn't rehearsed, and it, 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 it's, it's sad to watch. But if you're a pro, you do it properly. Fantastic. So how do you deliver a great presentation? Well, you do because you have to. Uh, there are, it's a terrible sin for people to say, oh, you know, we've won this, but we had, the presentation's a formality, and you hear this all the time. Yes, you may have done a brilliant job leading up to the final presentation, but by goodness me, you have got to deliver a smashing presentation. It's got to have a really good beginning. So many people squander the opportunity at the beginning by coming up with really bland things. They say, oh, thanks for having us. It's a great, great privilege to work on this, blah, blah, blah. What an opportunity is missed. If you're an author or a playwright or a filmmaker, you know that the beginning of the film is your opportunity to grab the attention. So you've got to have a really strong opening beginning. You've got to have a really good ending so that the client leaves on a high thinking, wow, I really want to work with these people. And all the bits in between have to be really well crafted because you're telling a story. You are performing. So you need to bolt the thing together properly. So it has a beginning, a middle and an end. And most of them aren't. They're just lots of information chucked at the client in a random fashion and it doesn't really hang together. And if you know your audience, and you've done your homework um, and you found out what makes them tick you'll be able to tailor that presentation. It will be short, sharp, and to the point if that's the nature of the client, or it'll be long and detailed and precise if you think those are the sorts of clients that really, really value that sort of level of detail. Steve Martin has a brilliant phrase, which is um, the American comedian, that um, some people have a way with words, other people not have way. People who not have way with words don't get to present. It's too important. You've got to have your A-list people there who really know how to connect with an audience. And the final thing is you've got to find out what your audience responds to. So you've got to find out what vocabulary they use, what language they use. I don't mean English or Thai or whatever it is. I just mean find out what if they're a sales culture, speak to them in sales. If they're a brand culture, speak to them as a brand. If they're a detail and analytical culture, have lots of facts and figures. You've got to mirror the way they are. Then you will have a great presentation. That's great, great advice. I love that, the mirroring. Uh, and, and also thinking through their culture and coming from that sort of an angle, very powerful. So I'm really interested in the next one as well, Unstoppable Momentum. Yes, unstoppable momentum. Um, it's terribly tempting, isn't it, when you've done your final presentation to just go, phew, now I can get on, with my, get on with my day job and go back to your existing clients or the other stuff that's keeping you busy. Last uh, thing you should do, because this, of course, is the crucial moment when the client, having abdicated responsibility for their problem for a few weeks and given it to experts to come back with answers, now they've got to take the ownership back and they've got to decide who they're going to go with. If you let go at this stage, you have lost because so many pitches, you get right up to the finishing line and then ease up. Again, using the sprinter analogy, the worst thing that you can do as a sprinter is get within five meters of the finish line, look around, see what the others are doing and take your foot off the gas. And of course, somebody storms through at the final, final moment. So you've got to keep the momentum going. In the meeting, the client's probably asked you some questions. Go back, work out really good answers, really detailed answers to those questions and send them back to them to keep the momentum going 
aim to be the very best experience that the client has at every interaction with you and keep bothering them after the presentation. Give detailed answers to the questions, as I've said. Send them new ideas or work or things that you think will keep them engaged and look for opportunities to help them. Do help. And again, sorry I've used him in vain, but um, there's a great phrase, which is, um, if, if you wish to profit, first learn to please. If you wish to profit, first learn to please. So important to remember that. Keep helping all the way until the client has made their mind up and then beyond. And then you've got a chance of winning. Oh, that's great advice. And I th- but also, I've seen this uh, happen before when people come out of a pitch situation and they relax as soon as they get out of the room, but they haven't left the building. And, uh, you know, they say something a bit stupid in the coffee room or uh, mm, something yeah. slips out in the lift on the way out or um, they... Yeah. Um, see the client suddenly as a friend in a different situation out of the room and, and I've, I've had once or twice I've had my you know it's in a great presentation and slightly had my confidence dip when someone said something outside of the outside of the pitch I don't know if you yeah no the, I mean the world is full of horror stories about things like that absolutely and and we haven't got the time to go into some of them but they make you weep and uh, it's true uh, you just have to remember a golden rule which is you are always always on so you cannot have your guard down for a moment because you could say something in an unguarded moment which gets back to the client, which you didn't want to, to, them to hear or, or whatever. So think well of them, think positive things, think good things, and just make sure the team know that you don't let your inner thoughts or, or, or worries or whatever out to play, especially when you're in the client's offices or in the lift. It's a dangerous place to be. <laughs> I was coming out of a pitch situation with once with a, a client and someone who was with me. We did a great job, and uh, the guy was absolutely delighted. And uh, he 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 sort of pumped his fists up and and went so whoa. And and as he did, the lift opened, and the client must have walked up the stairs because as the lift opened, <laughs> she was standing there. <laughs> he looked completely, in victory pose. Yeah. He looked completely stupid. Um, oh dear! So, oh dear. so I think he lost a night's sleep over that one. Um, yeah. So, um, so the last one point I think you made was: um, what should you do with um, feedback? Feedback. Well, um, there's a the security services around the world have a, a rather good unofficial motto, which is "Know what you need to know before you believe what you want to believe." Know what you need to know before you believe what you want to believe. And what I think they mean by that is. When we come out of a pitch and we get the feedback and we ask the client, oh, golly, why didn't we win? Um, if you ask too soon, the client will just be nice to you. They won't tell you anything that you will learn from They because they don't want to rub your nose in it. They want to make you feel bad. And also, if they are, are being asked for feedback by the team that pitched, doubly so, because they won't want to be nasty to you. So you need objective feedback and you need to stop marking your own homework, which means you send in an outsider who will find out Four weeks after the pitch, when the client and the dust has settled and the client will actually tell you the brutal truth of what you did wrong. And that is invaluable because that's how we learn. And if you won, brilliant. Go back and say, what could we have done better? What worked? What could we have done better? And then again, you don't lose an opportunity to learn. Yeah, because the client as well is often very busy at that stage, aren't they? They're just Someone's been selected. And they're, um, yeah, they've got a new toy to play with. A new toy to play with. They've got the new one to do it. It's it's, it's uncomfortable telling people that they've actually lost. But you know, in that moment when you you've come through that process, you you don't actually necessarily want to sit and analyze. And you you sometimes yourself need a bit of time to really fully. Yeah, uh, it's painful. It's it very painful. Um, and we, you know, but a bit like uh, when you see tennis players come off court at, at Wimbledon or or wherever, you know, they talk about themselves in the third person. And that's the way to do it. Be objective. It's the only way you're going to learn. Excellent. I wonder, we've only got another sort of couple of minutes left, but I just wonder if you've got a successful picture that you most admire. Well, uh, there are lots of people that I admire, people I've competed against, people I work with, people I've helped. Um, but probably my favourite picture is a figure from history um, who will be known to many of the listeners, which is Alexander the Great. Why do I like him? Um, I think he's the greatest of all time. He never lost a pitch. And um, I know he was a conqueror and, uh, you know, he, he, he worked in another competitive endeavour which had slightly higher stakes than pitching. But he basically wrote his own rules and he took shortcuts and he didn't play by normal rules and he wouldn't take no for an answer. So 
he once went to the city of Gordian, where there was a thing called the Gordian Knot. And this was two ropes entangled together in such an intricate way, it was said that no man could pull them apart. And if a man did, he would go on and become the king of the world. Well, Alexander had that ambition, and so he had the knot walk before him, and he tussled with it for about 30 seconds, but he was a fairly impatient type. So he just got his sword out, and with one mighty sweep, he cut the rope in two. Technically, he did what he was asked to do, which is to separate the two ropes. And he went on, as we all know, to uh, conquer the known world at the time. And if uh, you do all these eight golden rules, a bit like Alexander, if you don't do it by others' rules, you do it by your own, and you keep going and you don't give up, you will weep uh, for there are no more worlds or pitches to conquer. And I hope you do, and you take all of this and can use it. Fantastic. Well, we've got, just a, uh, we've got about a minute left for any final messages that you'd like to share. I think in summary, I would say um, be intolerant, intolerant of yourself and of the culture in your company when it comes to pitching. Don't accept slapdash practices that always lead to coming second. It's terrible. Don't do it. Try the eight rules and stick with them. Pitching should be fun. It should be joyful. And if you're enjoying it, the client will too. And that will transmit itself and you'll win an awful lot more. And then I think just try something new. Uh, you may be the greatest lawyer or architect or marketer or management consultant or banker or whatever you are in the world, but all your technical skills will be washed aside if the client finds someone who's also technically good, but who they really, really like. Great. I'm going to have to stop you there, David. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. It's uh, actually my birthday today, and it's been a pleasure to spend my 45th well, birthday, birthday with you online. So thank happy you very birthday. much. <laughs> and it's been a pleasure as well to, um, to be back on the show again with you this week. For more information on David Keane, um, do go to the www.thecaffeinepartnership.com. I'd also recommend getting a copy of his book if you're interested in pitching. Um, it's, only, it's, a, it's a really helpful uh, book on uh, the best. Uh, it's a bestseller, Pitching to Win the Art of Winning Business pitches. Um, next week's show um, we have Shanette Basson and Shanette's going to talk with us about how to be a great parent as well as a busy professional because um, sometimes that is a real challenge isn't it um, uh, making sure that you're also taking time to really develop your kids and a great relationship with them while, you, while you're striving to do all these sorts of things with your business so thank you again David Keane um, My pleasure. To talk thank to you, you. <laughs> and uh, we'll speak to you again next week Okay <laughs> Thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, typically 4 p.m. London on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.